Good morning, Rimrock Church. It's great to see you guys, most of you guys. I'm a little bit lower than I normally am, but I'm excited to uh, be here and worship our King with you this morning. So as the Lord leads, would you stand, would you sit, would you kneel and worship our God in heaven?
Amen. We depend on him. You guys can have a seat. I mean, Josh is here. He's going to give us some announcements. Thank you, worship team. That was beautiful. Love being able to come and worship with all of you guys. What a blessing to be able to gather together and, and praise his name. Um, I want to welcome everybody this morning. I'm Josh Hodgson. I'm the student pastor here at Rimrock Church, and uh, glad to be here with you guys this morning. Um, if you smelled the bacon when you came in, uh, it's because we've been making some down in the kitchens for you. And, uh, oh, hey, Brinkley. Hey. Um, there's 10 of us going down to Costa Rica in uh, just... Uh, next month to go help Eduardo with a project down there. Um, it's changed uh, and evolved over the last few months because of the rainy season preventing some things and building supplies not getting there in time, but we're going down to work with him to help them get started on building an aquaponics uh, system so that they have some sustainable food and income um, and it frees them up to do more ministry and to tell more people and reach more people for Christ. And so um, Brinkley, along with uh, there's about five students and four uh, dads that are coming down. It's a father-son team. And uh, we're going to be there for about a week at the end of July into August. And so if you want to come support us or hear more about it or greet the team, there's a couple standing in the back over there. Wave if you're coming with over here yep, in the back. Um, we'd love to say hi and tell you a little bit more about what we're doing down there. Okay. A little closer to home. You just keep enjoying that, Brinkley. That's great. Um, I just also want to welcome everybody here. If there's guests here, um, we're glad that you're here uh, worshiping with us today. And if you're wanting to know more about our church or what we're all about, um, we'd love to greet you, get to know you, and get you connected. And there's a welcome table right outside these doors. It's got the coffee and water, um, people there to greet you, and we'd love to get you connected with our church and get to know you a little bit more. Um, we also want to let you know that after the service, there'll be elders up in the front, kind of on the sides. Um, if you would like just time to pray, it's confidential unless you want us to share it with our prayer team. But if just something's going on and you just need some prayer, um, you can come and get that from our elders uh, at the end of the service. Um, also, just want to give an uh, announcement about the meadow. Uh, this is our last week indoors until uh, after Labor Day. We are moving to outdoor services starting next Sunday at 9 o'clock. Yeah! I am so excited. I love that you guys have been doing that the last two summers, that we got to come into that and experience that with you guys. The stage is nearly complete. If the sound system's working, Tom and Matt and others have been working really hard on getting that ready, and it's going to be a great setting. We've also got fresh grass out there uh, and where we took the fire pit out. Um, so we're looking forward to, worship, to worshiping out there with you guys. Bring lawn chairs, bring a blanket, whatever you need to go and sit and be comfortable out there. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to just praising God in his creation and the things that he made, right? Okay. Um, that's what I've got for analysis this morning, you guys. Um, let's uh, worship some more, right, Hannah? Thank you. Frankly, thanks so much. That was a hard job. <laughs> Um, so Psalm 16, 8 says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. He is our firm foundation, our ever-present, unwavering uh, protector, authority, and strength. His presence and his power um, is unmatched. So Father, just as we continue with worship, we just ask that you help us to fix our eyes on firm foundation, the one who cannot be moved, the one who is unmatched in all his ways. 
thank you for your presence and your power in our lives. Can be calmed and broken for my 
that you are our firm foundation. God, would you be with Ben as he comes and shares now? Continue just to draw our hearts to a place of humility and surrender, God, to hear what you have to say, what your message is, what your truth is, God, that you want for our life. We thank you, God, that you are ever-present and ever-strong in the midst of the storm, midst of the uncertainty. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Sense his presence with us this morning. He is glorious and good. Praise his name. And uh, wow, that bacon smell. You smell that? <laughs> Eating burritos in front of us. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, one of the disciplines that we're to practice as Christians is fasting. And uh, there's something about hunger, right? There's something about it that I think is important to remember that, you know, we need daily bread, right? We need daily food. And God tells us something really, really interesting, really powerful, really important in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. That's quite a statement. And I, I guess... It's just, I was think, we were seeing those songs and I was thinking, man, do, do I believe that? Is, that? is that true? Do I truly depend on God's word to live? That's, that's an important question for us to, to grapple with because if it's true, then um, it's good news for our world. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but we're living in turbulent times. A lot of people think they know what's right, right? There's a lot of people having ideas about what's good, what's right, what's true. We live in a time where everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. This past Friday, we heard about the Supreme Court making a, a decision on Roe, and our culture's in turmoil, right? And I'm so thankful we are going to God's Word to understand what God says about these issues. Because these aren't just political issues. These are spiritual issues that God cares about because he cares about the human being. We're made in his image. And the most foundational truth that the Bible tells is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. You see, we're, our condition is a perishing condition. We're in trouble. As human beings, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's so evident in our broken relationships, our broken culture, our broken nation, our broken world. We see it. We feel it. But here's the good news. Jesus did not come into the world who condemned the world, but to save the world. Do you believe that? We need saving, brothers and sisters. We need his word to guide us to fulfill us, 
to give us understanding about how to live. And his goal is to bless us. And I think it's so, uh, so appropriate that we're in Gospel of Mark in this season of our lives, in this season of our country, because we need to look at Jesus, just as we sang, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Um, if he really is our daily bread, if he really is what we most need, then we need to understand what he says. Um, you know, it's interesting, Jesus came for a spe very specific purpose to bring salvation to the world, but he went about it in a very extraordinary way, <laughs> unexpected way. Like, he didn't get a political party together, he didn't put an army together, he didn't put a government together, but he talked about government. He said the kingdom of God is at hand, is at near, which is basically saying the government of God is being revealed. The rule, the reign, the power of God is being made known. So he, he's talking about things that we're interested in, but he did it in such a strange way. <laughs> he came as a baby, and he lived an ordinary, very simple life. In fact, Isaiah says no one thought much of him. A lot of people passed him by and didn't think he was anything special. Yet he came with the power of God and the truth of God, the righteousness of God the greatness of God. And we're going to see that this morning, the greatness of God. But his purpose was in finding people who would become his disciples. He wanted to look for people who would say yes to the kingdom of God, who would put their faith and their trust in him. And so we read about him calling people to himself as he went and healed and he preached the kingdom of God. He called men and women to himself to be his disciples, to be his followers. And I, I just want to frame what he was doing because in, a few, in chapter um, 5, we saw um, that Jesus called the 12 and he sent them out and he said he gave them authority to go and preach and cast out demons. And Jesus said to them, and this is in Matthew, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We're in America. What's our job? What's our role? What's Jesus calling us to do? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That has to do with our identity. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Jesus is saying, I am Lord. I have, I have the right to say what is right and wrong. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so as we go into this passage this morning, the key issue is discipleship. Will we become Will we choose to follow Jesus? Jesus said, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He has a purpose for us. We have a purpose in this life. And so we're going to be learning about three key marks of being a disciple. But last week, we have to understand last week, where Jesus uh, got the news of John the Baptist being beheaded by King Herod. And King Herod is a, is a picture of the world, the world system, where, where power comes and desire comes. And so what we see is Herod embracing sexual immorality. Is that a relevant issue for us today? <laughs> it's a core issue. The Bible says that if we rebel against his design for us, it will destroy us, and it will destroy others, and it will destroy everything. And so what do we see in King Herod? He, he chooses sexual immorality. He has adultery. John the Baptist confronts him on that. And he has John the Baptist in prison and then beheaded. Sexual immorality always ends in death. Always. Whether it's the unborn or others, it always results in death. 
Because God designed us a certain way, <laughs> to function a certain way, to live a certain way. When we say, no, God, we're going to go our own way. We're going to do our own thing. The Bible says the penalty of sin is death. Do we believe that? <laughs> That's the question. And Herod thought he could do whatever he wanted. And he pursued his desires. He pursued everything this world gave. Yet we saw in the story he was unsatisfied. And what does Jesus do? He goes and he has compassion on the people. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. They need someone to show them what's right and wrong, to help them know how to live in this world. And so he begins to teach them and show them the reality of God's kingdom, God's goodness, his righteousness, his way, his word, his truth. And it's late at night and the people are hungry and he tells the disciples, go get them something to eat. And the disciples say, how in the world are we going to have enough money? <laughs> it's not possible. But Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? Few bread, few fish. <laughs> and Jesus broke the bread, he broke the fish, he distributed it, and it says they all ate and were satisfied. God satisfies. He knows our needs, he knows our desires. Will we trust him to meet our needs? Will we trust him? <laughs> Will we put our faith in him? That is, that is the, the, the issue here. And so now we're gonna come to our passage this morning and. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I know you've been sitting, but I think it's just too important for us to stand in honor of God's word this morning and what God has to say. And so this is immediately after Jesus had uh, passed out the bread and the fish, five, over 5,000 men had eaten. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. And after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Have you ever felt like the wind has been against you? Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake and he was about to pass them by. But when he saw, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and he said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. You see, there's a connection between what Jesus did with the loaves and the fish and what's happening here. And when they had crossed over, they landed on Gennesaret and anchored there and as soon as they got out of the boat people recognized Jesus and they ran throughout the whole region and carried those who were ill on mats and wherever they heard he was and he be whenever he went and wherever he went into villages towns or countryside they placed those who were ill in the marketplaces they begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak and all who touched it were healed you may be seated So three marks of being a disciple of Jesus. Notice Jesus is really interested in making his disciples into some, something. <laughs> He's transforming his disciples. And that's, that's the essence of discipleship. Jesus said, come and follow me. You have to come to me, but I will make you. He's not going to leave us the same. If we come to Jesus, he doesn't leave us the same. We can't, we can't just add Jesus into our lives. <laughs> Uh, this, is a, this is a temptation for us because we think 
we're, we're born into this world thinking we're the center of it all. It's all about me. It's about keeping myself alive and meeting my needs, my desires. And yet Jesus says, come to me and I will make. He's going to make something of us. He's going to transform us. And I think the first thing he's going to show us is that we're not the center of it all. <laughs> that he is the center of it all. That's why he says, come to me. But we, we want to just add Jesus into our lives. We just, we just want him to make things better for us. And so we think if we just pray or, or go to church or do a few good things, that somehow he has to owe us. But listen, what discipleship is, it's, it's coming to Jesus and, and allowing him to transform us. And then he says, I will make you a fisherman. He has a purpose. <laughs> he has a plan. <laughs> He has something bigger in store for us. And we can't see it without him. We can't see it without him. We're, we're blinded by our own small view of the world, our own small selfish view. And so, so Jesus says, come to me and I, I will make you and I will give you a new purpose, a new understanding of what God is doing in this world. And so in discipleship, we have to realize that Jesus is Lord, that he is king, and that he is a kingdom. And, and as Bill and Nick have also observed over and over as we read about Jesus, the people who experienced the power of the kingdom fell on their knees. <laughs> they fell on their knees because they understood who Jesus was, that he is the son of God, that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's not us just adding Jesus into our lives. Rather, it's us coming into his life. That is a world of a difference. And so these three marks of being a disciple of Jesus that we'll see in this story is one, it means to be sent. It means that we are people of prayer. And it means that we are people of faith. Let's look at these three things. In verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. <laughs> Does that strike you as a little strong-armed, maybe, strong-handed? If, if Jesus is Lord, we have to do what he says. And so the disciples are, are amazed. In fact, in John, it says that everyone wanted to stay where Jesus did the miracle of the 5,000. No one wanted to leave. In fact, it says in John that they wanted to make Jesus king right there because they, they couldn't believe it. Their minds were blown. Like, he just multiplied bread. We, we won't go hungry again. This is the answer to world hunger <laughs> right here. We don't have to go out and work or buy anything. We can just eat here and enjoy with Jesus. But, but they missed what the point was. And Jesus says, you have to go into the boat. Why? Why do they have to go in the boat? And this gets to the purpose of God. Like, like my... my my heart a lot of times is, I just want to be comfortable, God. I just want my needs to be met. I fall into that so much. But, but look at God's heart. He wanted them to go ahead of him to Bethsaida. He had a place that he wanted them to go. And he had a, a job for them to do to share the good news of the kingdom. There were sick people. There were hurting people. Just like that crowd where Jesus had compassion. It says Jesus was moved with compassion because he saw the needs of the world. He said, this is not about you and your needs. I have a bigger purpose. I have a bigger plan. And so you need to go. You need to go. And so what we see about discipleship is that we're to be sent ones. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go. 
It's not, it's not about just meeting your needs and your comfort. Like God has a, a plan for us, a purpose for us. We're going people. We're sent people. But here's the problem with going. The going gets tough. The going gets hard. It's so much easier to stay. It's so much more comfortable to stay. Yet, yet Jesus says, go, because I have a purpose. I, I have people out there that need to hear the good news of the kingdom. And so he goes, he sends, and he sends his disciples. And so we are invited to make Jesus Lord, him to be the center of our lives, and he transforms us, and he gives us a new purpose. And so whatever we do, there's a purpose greater than ourselves. We're sent ones, but we will face difficulty. And what would he see in the story is, it was nighttime, I don't know about you, I'm not a night person. I like to go to bed early. <laughs> but God, God sometimes interrupts our comfort, right? Our plan. And he sends the disciples. And what does verse 48 say? They were straining at the oars. Jesus never said that if we would follow him that life would be easy or everything would go the way we want or the way we think it should go. And, and most of you have followed Jesus long enough to know that's true, right? Like Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. I can't find it. Jesus never promised anywhere that if we would come to him, everything would go perfectly well. In fact, he said just the opposite. He said, they will hate you. They will persecute you. He said, they will throw you into prison. They will beat you. They will malign you. They will say all kinds of evil things about you. That's what Jesus said to expect. But somehow we don't, we don't pay attention to that part, right? <laughs> we, 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 we know that Jesus is life. He's our daily bread. He's everything. He's goodness. He's healing. He's hope. He's joy. He's peace. He's love. But, but we forget that the purpose of God includes suffering. We, we went through Philippians together, right, as a church. And what does Paul says is it's not only you're not only called to believe in him, but to suffer for him. And so suffering is part of the Christian call. We're going to see later in Mark chapter 8 that Jesus said, unless, unless you take up your cross and follow me, it's the only way. The only way to be a disciple is to recognize that if we go and we join Jesus in his mission, his purpose in this life, we will encounter trouble. And the wind was against them. And someone right before church asked me this question, verse 48, was Jesus really just going to walk by him? <laughs> was he just going to leave them in their trouble? <laughs> Straining at the oars, struggling. It sure feels like that sometimes. Have you ever been there in your day of trouble when life is hard? And you're like, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to do everything you've called me to do, but it seems like everything's against me and, and my life is, is hurting and, and everything seems to be falling apart. Are you far away? But I want you to notice a couple details. Verse 46, he was on a mountainside, he was praying, and it says he was watching his disciples. So was Jesus aware of what they were going through? <laughs> he was with them, he was aware. And actually, if you look at this word in the, in the Greek, it's not that he was gonna pass by them as if he didn't care. He was gonna pass by them so that they would know that he was nearby. In fact, this is a, I think this is a reference to Exodus 34 where Moses was on Mount Sinai and he was saying, God, what is your name? Who are you, God? And Moses was crying out to God and it says, the glory of the Lord passed in front of Moses. 
I think this is what the author is referring to. See, Jesus wasn't leaving them. He wasn't abandoning them. He was coming so they would know that he was with them, that he was nearby to them. And so the second mark of a disciple is one of prayer. Now, this story is interesting because it's, it's written in hindsight, like, like the disciples went through this, but this is written much later, and so they've had time to reflect on what happened. What was the lesson? What was Jesus teaching them? And, and look, at the, look at the notes of what, what is Jesus doing? He's praying. He's with his Father. He's restful. He's peaceful. He's seeking God's will, not his will. He's modeling something for us. And what are the disciples doing? They're straining. They're struggling. And we're told that they're afraid. And we're told that their hearts are hard. There's a contrast here. There's a lesson here. I think Jesus is telling us that to be a disciple is to be a person of prayer. A person who depends. We sang it this morning. I depend on you. I abide in you. I, I don't have all the resources. I don't have everything it takes to get through trouble. So what, what do we do when we're in trouble and we're struggling and we're suffering and, and it's too much for us? What do we do? What do we do? Jesus reveals to us it's prayer. <laughs> we're to be people of prayer. We, we don't have all the resources in ourselves, so we have to depend on God. I love this quote by Corrie ten Boom, who was the uh, Dutch woman who was put in a concentration camp. She survived, but her whole family was killed in the concentration camp because they were hiding Jews. They, were, they, they believed in the value of life, and they were going to protect Jewish people from Hitler's scheme to destroy them. And so they took a stand for truth, and because of that, they had to go to prison, and many of them lost their lives. And today we look at Corrie ten Boom and say, what, a, what, a, what an example of faith. And she was, but, but I, I, believe you that, I believe that there were times where she felt like the disciples in that concentration camp alone. But what did she say? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Wow. What do we do? Jesus is showing us that we need to pray. <laughs> we need to pray <laughs> that God hears us. He's, he's close by because, listen, Jesus, he's out on the, the water. He's close by. And what do they see? They cry out. They cry out. And they were terrified. They were drowning in their own fear, in their own struggle, in the situation. And here's where we come to the third mark of a disciple. It's faith. Faith. And I think this is the whole point of this whole experience, and I think this is our encouragement for us today. If you're in trouble, if you're finding a struggle in following Jesus, listen to these words. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The, the English language doesn't capture this, but, but that word, it is I, is actually I am. I am. We're, where does that take us in the Bible? It takes us back to Moses before God and all of his holiness and his glory. And he says to God, what is your name? Tell me your name. And God says, I am that I am. You see, God is above and beyond anything we can ever ask or imagine. His glory is beyond our understanding. He is 
I am. He is the essence of existence, the essence of life, essence of everything. He is the creator. He is the maker. He is the giver of all good things. Take courage. So what does it mean to be a disciple? It means that, that we, we come to Jesus and we, we trust him enough that he is making something of us. We yield to him. We bow our knees to him. We trust that his purpose is good and he came to save, not to condemn. He came to give life, not to take life. <laughs> he came to bring blessing, not a curse. He says, take courage. It is I. It is I. And so even as we follow Jesus in this crazy, messed up world, and even with our own crazy, messed up lives, and I'm the first one to say I am totally messed up. There is so much sin and brokenness in me. And I get so afraid sometimes when I look inside. But we're not to look inside. We're to look at Jesus. Because he says, I am. I am. And I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. I'm able to handle the storm and the hunger and the sickness and the cancer and the job loss and the political situation. And whatever you are facing, I am. Don't be afraid. Do we hear his word? And it says he climbed in the boat with them. You see, his goal was never to pass by them. His goal was to let them know that he was there. <laughs> that's why we sang his, his presence. And that's why we need to meet every Sunday and re be reminded that he is present. We eat the bread and we drink the cup because we have to be reminded that he is present and he has given himself for our good. And he came to redeem and to save and to deliver. But they didn't understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. And this is the key question for us this morning. Is will we come to Jesus? Will we be his disciples? And will we truly believe that he is enough? That he is sufficient for our every need? that he can truly be our king and our Lord, and that he can make a way for us in this life. I'm gonna tell a quick story, and then, um, and then we're gonna close in a song, but um, I've had different points in my life where, where I've had to learn this lesson over and over, and even last week as I preached, God was teaching me again about worry and anxiety because I'd been so anxious I hadn't been able to sleep, and God had to remind me this again, that, that Jesus is enough, that I can trust him even in my failure. But there was a time where um, my wife and I, and uh, we were asking God what he wanted us to do, purpose, and, uh, and I was part of a church that was going to send me out. I had spent a year with the church, and they were going to send me out to plant another church. So we were praying about two or three small towns in Minnesota where we would plant a church. And, and one night I was praying uh, to God, and and uh, there's only been a few times in my life where God has revealed himself this way, but uh, he gave me a vision. And it was a vision of his heart. And by heart, I don't mean like a pumping blood, blood heart, but like he showed me his love for a people group in Minnesota in a town called Wilmer. And we weren't even, we weren't even considering Wilmer. We, uh, I had pretty much thought, God, I don't want to do that. Um, but he... He revealed something to me in that vision, and I understood how much God loved a certain people group in this town, and it devastated me. I, I fell on my knees, and I just wept 
I just wept. I couldn't, I didn't have any words, but I knew, I knew that God had a mission to reach a people. Just like he told the disciples to go ahead of him because there was a people that he cared about. You know, in my, my plan, it wasn't part of my plan. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> my wife didn't want to do it, but I saw God's heart. And I knew I had a choice at that moment. Either I go or I say no. <laughs> And so I came to them myself, and I said, God, your glory is more than mine. Your, your, your purpose is better than my comfort. And, and his peace and his joy, I knew he was going to give me everything I needed for this task. I knew he was going to, but, but it was scary. And, and in the weeks and the months and the years as we carried out that task to plant a church in this town among an immigrant people group, um, we were tested. It was hard. <laughs> there was suffering. <laughs> it, was, it was not comfortable. It was not easy. It was very hard. And I remember one day, a few years in, maybe a year and a half in, and I was walking, praying. I said, God, I'm done. I'm ready to throw in the towel. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. This is too hard. I'm failing. <laughs> and uh, as I was walking, God reminded me of that vision. He said, Ben, do you know how much I love these people? I said, God, I remember how much you love them. You, you've given everything for them. He says, I want you to go. I want you to be my servant here among these people. And God reminded me again. You see, and I'm still learning this lesson, life is not about me. <laughs> it's about him and what he wants to do in people's lives. And we're, we're only to be servants. <laughs> we're only to go when he says go. But here's what I can tell you today because this, this was maybe 10 years ago from today. God is faithful. He provided everything. And he accomplished what I couldn't do. And we saw miracles and we saw people come into relationship with God and we saw people baptized and we saw God work in so many beautiful, glorious ways. And I never would have experienced that. My life would be so much poorer if I hadn't said yes. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm gonna invite my brother, come up and Hannah. My brother Nate's here. And one of, part of that story was um, Nate moved from Arizona because uh, God never sends us out alone. And so he came from Arizona to help me in that church plant. So we spent a few years doing ministry together. He, he's a, a worship pastor in Ohio, and his family's passing through. But uh, it's really special for me, for him to be here, because uh, he's more than just a physical brother. He's a brother in Christ. And, and spiritual brotherhood is way more important than physical brotherhood. And I couldn't ask for a, a better brother. But I'm going to read this passage, and then we're going to sing, sing together. Um, but this is from 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. You see, our ministry is not our own. It's God's ministry. I don't know what your ministry is with your family, wherever you're working, where your workplace is, wherever your neighborhood is, church. God has a ministry for you. He's called you to a purpose greater than yourself. We do not lose heart. You see, naturally we lose heart, but, but we need... We need this word that Jesus said, take courage, don't be afraid. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception. We do not distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. You see, the disciples, their hearts were hard because they couldn't see. There's a lot of people who can't see today. Maybe some of you can't see here right now. And I pray that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you would have ears to hear. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. But, but many of you do see. And there's a glory. There's a gospel. There's a truth that will never be taken away from us. It doesn't matter what happens. This is the truth. The gospel that displays the glory of Christ. I am. He is the great I am, who is the image of God. You see, that's what Jesus is saying. Don't you know who I am? I am the maker of those water molecules. I can walk on water. I can multiply bread because I am the creator. I am the maker. For what we preach is not ourselves. We are weak. Paul says we are like clay pods. (laughs) Like there's nothing that we have but Jesus Christ as Lord. That's all we have. That's all I got. That's all I got. And ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine into our hearts. Listen to this. This is my prayer for you today. To give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus has a face. Do you know him? such a blessing to be here today, just to uh, focus on the Lord Jesus and your worship team. Just, you're so blessed to have a team that points you to the Lord Jesus, because that's what this is about. It's about Him. So as we sing this, let's just continue that, to focus on Him. Peace, bring it all to peace. Storms around me, let it pray. Can I be? 
to see you guys next week out in the meadow bright and early at nine o'clock thanks for being here